What have you accomplished in the past year? How did you work your recovery? What are you looking forward to in the new year? Welcome to episode 136 of The Recovery Show. Well, I will take a look at my 2015 and look ahead to 2016 and challenge you to think about your year just past and where you're going in the new year. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with the seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes, and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery. Before we begin, we would like to state that though we at The Recovery Show may be in a 12-step program, we represent ourselves rather than the program. During this show, we will share our own experiences as they relate to the topic of the old year and the new year. The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. We hope that you will find something in our sharing that speaks to your life. My name is Spencer, and I'm your host today. I'm going to start with a reading. This is from our daily reader, Courage to Change, December 31st. Now that the year is at an end, I'll take a few minutes to contemplate the progress I've made and to thank my higher power for my growth. What did I do to contribute to my success this year? Perhaps it was as simple and as profound as daring to come to my first meeting, or to keep coming even when it was difficult. How have I reached out to others in the fellowship this year? Did I set out literature, chair a meeting, clean up? Perhaps I welcomed a newcomer or gave them my phone number. Maybe I asked someone to be my sponsor, or opened up more deeply to the sponsor I already have. Have I thanked that person for all they've given me? Have I recognized my growing ability to love and trust others? Perhaps I finally understood the first step, or really committed myself to working some of the others. Maybe I had the faith and courage to make some hard decisions. I am discovering that I do play an important part in my own well-being. I will celebrate my achievements and be grateful for all I have been given. I'm not perfect, but I am excellent. You know, I thought about doing this episode. I was listening to another podcast, and the host was talking about the things that he had achieved during the past year and the things that he gave up also during that year uh, so that he could achieve some of the things that he had done. And I thought, it's always worth looking back a little bit and seeing where I've been and how I've changed over the year. Last year at this time, I talked about living in alignment with my values of integrity, commitment, acceptance, and love. And I said that I wanted to work on self-care, both physical and spiritual, family, spending more time, more quality time, if you will, with my family, and money to be more attentive to my financial status and working towards a goal of being debt-free. Not stated in that episode, but what turned out to be a huge part of my year of 2015 was at work completing a major goal in conjunction with a whole lot of other people, but it it was turned out to be a huge part of my life in 2015. How did I do on, on living my values? On the value of integrity and continue to work step 10 and when necessary steps four through nine. And that has helped me to stay in alignment with that value. And when I say, when I talk about integrity, this is both honesty about what I do or what I don't do, but also being being the person that I am rather than the person that I think you want me to be. Staying in alignment with this value has been most obvious when I messed up in some way and I needed to admit my faults and to make amends. And over the years of being in recovery, that has gotten easier and easier. And it's it helps me to to keep as we say, to keep my side of the street clean, to not have baggage that I'm carrying around with me that affects my mood, affects my interactions with other people. That has been a a great gift of recovery that I never expected. I also feel that in in the area of being true to myself, acting out of my true self rather than acting out of my expectations of what you expect of me, I think I have improved there. I, I can't I can't really prove that, but I believe it to be true. And the value of commitment, 
which is only committing to things that I will be able to complete and completing those commitments that I make. Again, uh, during the year, I believe that I have, I have achieved that very well. And this is, you know, this has been a journey for me. When I first came into the program and for some years after that, my codependence, my codependency, my, my, I, I, I heard a, a, an open talk recently where the speaker talked about being an Alanonic and I totally understood what she meant because one of the characteristics of my, my Alanonicness, whatever, is that I want to help people and I want to be there for people. And if you ask me to do something, I want to say yes. So it took me a while in, in the program and to learn that I can't always say yes and to really understand that and to be able to, when I'm asked to do something, be able to think about whether I actually have the time, the energy, the ability to, to carry out before I say yes and to understand that saying no can be an act of love just as much as saying yes because if I say yes to a request and I can't, satisfy it, I can't carry out my commitment, that can be worse than than not saying yes in the first place. That can be worse than saying no. Practicing that that value of commitment, that value of being a person who honors his commitments takes work for me. It's not something that always comes naturally and I always have to think about it when I'm asked to do something. There was a time this year when I was asked to do something and I wasn't sure that I had the time and the energy to do it. And I said yes. And another commitment that I had taken on ended. I had been expecting it to end, but it wasn't clear that there was somebody there to pick it up. And my higher power provided and and actually two people volunteered uh, for the commitment that, that I was letting go of. And so that worked out. I've also made commitments to myself about my health, mostly my physical health. And those are commitments that I've made late in the year about exercise and about eating, eating better, eating less so that I can continue to stay healthy into my next decade of life. It's harder for me to keep commitments to myself than it is for me to keep commitments to other people. So for for those commitments of exercise and and eating, I've had um, using uh, an application that keeps track that I record what I eat, I record when I exercise. That makes me accountable in a way to something outside of myself, because even though it's just an app on my phone, it knows, and if I slack, it will know. That in in itself seems to be helping me to keep that commitment. So part of the way in which I can do I do this is to understand what motivates me, to understand what doesn't motivate me, and that all came out of being able to look at myself honestly, uh, as I learned to do in steps four and five in the inventory and in sharing that inventory with another person. Acceptance is another value, and this is an area where I feel I have done well in the past, but I can do better. And one of the areas where I struggle with acceptance is people whose personal mannerisms bug me in some way. This becomes a serious issue when I need to somehow cooperate with that person, whether it's at work or in another context. Acceptance doesn't always mean that I have to like something, but it means that, so acceptance means to me that I accept, there's that word, I accept that the person or the situation is what it is, and that I can't change that. And that where I need to be in a situation or where I need to be with a person that I am having trouble with in some way, I can, with the help of my higher power usually, can 
can let go of whatever it is that uh, is bothering me, whatever it is that makes it difficult for me to be there or to be with that person. And I can focus on the purpose for which I'm there, the purpose for which I'm dealing with the person or the purpose for which I'm in a situation. Acceptance helps me to do that, and it helps me to be gracious. Acceptance is a value that's a lot easier intellectually sometimes than emotionally. It's a lot easier in the abstract than in the situation. The fourth value that I expressed last year is love. There's a lot of different aspects of love. There is the love that we feel in the program, the love of our higher power, the unconditional love that we have for others in the program who are suffering the same as we are or suffering as we have in the past and are welcoming of of them to, to the program. In the past year, I have been working on expressing the love that I have for people around me more openly and more explicitly. This is something that has been difficult for me most of my life, except in very special circumstances. While I grew up in a loving home, I realized recently as, as I was looking back that my father at least did not openly express his love for us, for me. And I think I learned that behavior. And so I found it difficult to express my own love. This summer, I think I talked about this incident. My boss lost his brother suddenly. He had been on vacation when it happened, and and he sent me and my colleagues an email explaining the situation. And at the end, he said something like, when you leave the people you love, don't forget to tell them you love them. And I thought, wow, that's not the sort of email that I would normally expect to get from my boss. The message was clear and the message was real. And a couple days later, I was dropping one of my children off at the airport. And as they got out of the car, I said, I love you, which was hard, but I did it. And that's progress. And I'm finding it easier to say it's it's difficult for me to say it to my parents. I didn't hear it very much from them, and saying it back is hard. But I'm, I'm working on that too. You know, my father in the last couple of years has started hugging me when, when we come together and when we leave, and I thought, whoa, what's going on here? And I'm finding it easier to reciprocate that as, uh, I don't know, I loosen up something. So I saw a clear improvement in being able to express my love in in the last year, in 2015. Talked about self-care. I wanted to do better at taking care of my physical self in particular. And I have to say that that during the year, that was a real mixed bag. As, as you heard, if you're a re- regular listener, this has been um, a rough year for me. Uh, in terms of the amount of time and energy that I have spent at work. And it was rewarding, both uh, financially with a bonus at the end of the project and and also uh, intellectually and emotionally, because this project is something that I and a couple of colleagues first envisioned four and a half years ago, and we brought it to a reality. And it was a lot of work by a lot of people, and so there was there was quite a bit of satisfaction in that. But there was also a lot of extra work, a lot of coming in early, staying late, coming in on weekends. It cut into time in my life for doing other things. And it also had a more insidious effect that I only recognized fairly recently. One of the things that the that the company did to encourage us and I think in a sense to reward us for working harder than usual to accomplish our goal was to bring in food for a couple of months. I think they brought in lunch every day and then a couple days a week for the, for the rest of the year, there were always treats available. There was always breakfast food available. And in consequence, I ate more than usual. I ate more than I would have if I had been 
supplying my own food because it was there. It was just grab it and eat it. And there was some, there was some satisfaction in doing that, obviously some gratification, I guess is the word I'm looking for. And there were treats, there was candy, there were cookies almost all the time. Grab it and eat it. Yum, yum. So, um, I gained, I gained weight. I gained about 20 pounds. The other thing that I really didn't recognize until, you know, hey, self-examination doesn't always happen, right? The other thing that I didn't recognize until just very recently was that I also was drinking more. And I think it was partly just as a sort of a stress relief at the end of the day, part of, uh, you know, the attitude, well, I worked hard and I deserve this. I think that, that there have been some some health consequences from that. I'll be seeing my doctor in about a month and we will talk about it. But when I recognized that that was happening recently, I have set a goal for, for 2016. I've set a, a boundary um, of drinking at a moderate level rather than the way I, I had been during the past year or so without really noticing that I was doing that. So there's a problem. So self-care, physical self-care, the other thing that happened was uh, because working hard, getting up early, going to bed late, not having energy, I basically was exercising almost none. I did manage uh, several times a week probably to walk to work, and that's something. But you know that was at best a maintenance level, and especially with the fact that I put on weight, um, I was getting more and more out of shape. And so did not do so well on the self-care front this year. I did manage to keep a reasonable, a regular meeting schedule going uh, that really, you know, helped keep my my spiritual my spiritual self-care working. But I did did also drop one of the meetings that I went to on a regular basis. So real mixed bag on the self-care. I can look back and say, well, you know, there are reasons for that, but it's still. Uh, I don't think I I did it in the way that I I wanted to at the beginning of the year. Okay. How about on the family side? Did I spend more time with my family? Well, yes and no. No, because my daughter moved into her her own living space, uh, no longer in the house, and so I don't see as much of her. I think the time that we spend together is good time. And my other child is across the country, so I really don't see them very often. We do speak on the phone probably about once a week, and and I try to be present in that conversation, and not just, hey, how you doing? Great, great to hear from you, bye. But to, uh, you know, really get some meaningful conversation happening. One of the things that I, I really feel has been successful for me in the family arena this year is spending more time with my wife. And I've talked about the difficulty that I've had sort of reconnecting uh, with her after after she found uh, recovery and uh, and I've been in recovery in the in the past year we're we're spending more time together doing things together almost every evening we'll sit down on the couch uh, cuddle up a little bit and uh, watch a couple episodes of of some TV show or other from Netflix or Hulu it's our thing that we do uh, we we also you know just spend time together walking uh, having and having conversation which sounds so like ordinary and trite but it's a step for me because we spent years basically being strangers in the same house and so finding our way back together is is a good thing and and I feel I feel like I made made some significant progress this year on that, and I feel good about it. And the other thing was money. I've talked about my my fears around money and financial insecurity that have prevented me from doing a good job of, of being financially responsible. I feel like, again, this year we did better. Um, I did better. We made some significant steps toward becoming debt-free. It's still going to take some years. But we are making progress on that. On the downside, I'm still letting, if you will, my wife take care of the uh, the day to day details of of managing our finances. So 
progress needs to be made there. As I said, my recovery program suffered a little bit in 2015 due to the pressure of work. Um, I did stop going to the meeting that had previously been my home group, and there were a number of factors in that, but a big one was, was pressure of work. And the podcast schedule, as you may have noticed, was was also affected. And I do view the podcast as a big part of my recovery. That became pretty clear to me when I looked at episode numbers. So the episode I did a year ago, looking back, looking looking ahead, was number 101. This episode a year later is number 136, which means that in 2015, I released 36 new episodes of The Recovery Show. Uh, where my goal would be one a week, which would be 52. Well, what happened this year? What what were my achievements in the year? Well, I turned 60, and okay, that's an achievement, I guess, It's or it's an event. In turning 60, and I turned 60, and, and some other things happened at about the same time, that my kids are now fully employed and living independently in their in their own lodgings. They're They're no longer dependent on us for for income or housing. So the thing that had been a main focus of my life for the past 24, 25 years has ended. And that, of course, was was bringing these two children to adulthood and and launching them. And, you know, I hope they stay launched, but it, it looks like it at the moment. And so what is my purpose now? This thing I did for not quite half my life, it's over. Now what? So I need to think about that. And, and in turning 60 and in realizing that, you know, within the, the next decade, I'll be very likely retiring and not having a good vision of what I will be in retirement. What will I, what will I be? How will, what will I do when I'm retired? And something I realized I need to, uh, to think about before I take that step of of stepping out the door of work because without that, I'm going to probably end up sitting around the house playing some video game or God knows what. And that won't be healthy. It won't be nourishing spiritually, physically. So what does retirement look like for me? And I have a few years to think about it, but it's good to recognize that I need to start thinking about it now. And again, the tool... The tools of inventory and self-knowledge that are so much a part of a recovery program will be helpful there. The other big achievement of the year is, is reaching this goal at work. Achieving the vision that we had four and a half years ago, that was huge. It was quite an emotional thing when, when I stopped and said, wow, four and a half years, and here we are. So looking ahead, and I, I, had, a, I had a conversation with a friend tonight about resolutions and goals. So what I feel about resolutions is that they're sort of all or nothing in the way that at least we see them in this in this United States when we make a New Year's resolution. Uh, this year I will, you know, be a better person starting right now. Of course that doesn't work. And we talk about broken resolutions. I prefer to think more of making promises to myself about the way in which I want to be in the coming year, things that I want to keep on doing, things that I want to do more of, things that I want to do less of, things that maybe I want to stop doing. And also setting some some specific goals. It's helpful to have a way of knowing that, that I've actually achieved a goal. So I want to get my weight down, and I've set an arbitrary goal of getting it down to 220 pounds by the end of January. And that's somewhat arbitrary. It also uh, coincides with uh, about a week or so before my annual physical when I see my doctor. And and uh, I want to at least have my weight down to where it was a couple of years ago. That's going to be 20 pounds lighter than I was at the beginning of December. So looks like I'm going to make that one. As long as I keep on putting one foot in front of the other and not putting one candy bar after the other into my mouth. I am working on physical fitness and most of that is aimed at cardiovascular fitness in particular. I've been 
uh, doing run walk on a treadmill because it's very easy to measure and I can do it in any weather at any time of day as opposed to you know running outside which might be more interesting um, according to some of the things that I've been reading and, and listening to uh, a little better for my body in terms of running on a variety of different surfaces being more nutritious exercise if you will but it's something I can do and so I have a goal of being able to run 5k in 30 minutes um, by the end of the year and I expect I'll actually exceed that goal but you know it's something I have not ever done so it's also a challenge for me another Goal for the year is to continue to produce the podcast on a weekly basis. Let's see if we can get at least 50 out in 2016. It'll be undoubtedly a couple of weeks when I'm on vacation or something and and not able to at least make a new episode. But let's do better than we did in, in 2015. Last but certainly not least, I will continue to practice the principles of this program in all my affairs. I want to close with a reminder. This is from Courage to Change, page one, which is the January 1st entry. It says, Elanon is a one-day-at-a-time program. No matter what is going on around me, today I know that I am moving forward. I will trust the process of recovery. I'll let time take time. And now it's your turn. How was your 2015, and what are you looking forward to in 2016? Here are the questions that I used to guide my sharing. Did I have recovery goals for 2015? What were they? Did I have other goals for 2015? What were they? How did I reach toward my goals? Outside of goals, how did I work my program in 2015? What did I find out about myself this year? What has changed in my life this year? What did I achieve this year in recovery? In my life, in general? What will I keep on doing in 2016? What do I want to do differently or new in 2016? Am I setting SMART goals? SMART goals are those that are specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time-bound. Why might I want to do this? Or why not? So if any of those questions speak to you, think about your year. Think about how you used recovery in the past year and, and how you're planning to use it in the coming year. If you want, share it with us. You can leave a, a voicemail, which may be too brief, at 734-707-8795. You can record a voice memo on your smartphone or computer and email it. Or you can send an email. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you. After a short break, I'll continue with a brief My Life in Recovery segment because you already heard about My Life in Recovery. For this episode, I chose songs that I first discovered in 2015, and it may be, in fact, the case that all of them were actually released in 2015. And these are songs that, that I've come back to more than once because of the message in the song, and that's the only relationship between them, really. You can listen to all of them. Uh, we'll have music videos on the website at therecoveryshow.com slash 136 and slash 136. And the first song that I selected is by Courtney Barnett, and it's called Nobody Really Cares If You Don't Go to the Party. The title of this song and, and the message in the song, it sort of speaks directly to uh, one of my character defects, which has sometimes been characterized as egomania with an inferiority complex. You know, because I've gone through much of my life feeling that everybody is watching me and everybody is judging me for everything that I do at every moment of every day. And you got to admit, that's pretty uh, egomaniacal in the sense that I am obviously in this delusion, the center of everybody's attention, but with an inferiority complex because I feel that I'm not doing, I'm not well enough, I'm not good enough, I'm not enough, and that you're all judging me. Well, I first figured this out in the program as I was doing step four. I have found in the program, of course, that this is not true. 
and I've been able to to let go and and let God. And you know, this is part of living with integrity that I am living. I am who I am, and even if you are watching, maybe I don't care. More importantly, recognizing that that I'm not the center of anybody's universe, maybe just mine, maybe not. So, yeah, so the song. Um, Nobody really cares if you don't go to the party. And the the lyric, I believe it starts with, is I want to stay, I want to go out, but I want to stay in. I'm sure we've all had that feeling. I'd really rather stay home, but everybody's expecting me to show up at the party. And what the song is telling us is that, no, that's not true, and that we should do what we want rather than what we think other people want us to do. Nobody really cares if you don't go to the party. In this section of the podcast, we talk about our lives in recovery, about what's happening in our meetings and our lives this week. And since I just spent the last half hour or something talking about my life in recovery this year, uh, we don't need probably to go there. But I did want to talk a little bit about my Saturday meeting where we have been once a month, the first Saturday of the month, one of the tables at the meeting has been working our way through the Al-Anon four-step inventory book called Blueprint for Progress. We typically get through one or two, occasionally three of the questions in that book in each meeting that we do it, and that's once a month. So so we get to this chapter that's about various characteristics of our of our personality. It has a bunch of sections, each of which is quite short, that contrast a pair of characteristics. Uh, the first one, I think, is self-centeredness versus aware of others. And then there are three questions to uh, sort of help us discover where we fit in the spectrum between those those two characteristics. We just started that chapter this this month, and there was some discussion around the table about, should we do this chapter? Should we skip this chapter? Because it's so long. Should we maybe just go around the table and, and have one person do each little section? There were a number of proposals. Several of us spoke up and said, you know, we really find value in hearing other people's answers to these questions, either because they help us to understand that we're not alone in feeling the way that we feel, or they give us insight into something in a way that we wouldn't have thought of it ourselves. Uh, and it's, it's extremely valuable to me uh, to hear other people's voices on a topic. We we basically had a little group conscience meeting right there at the table to decide how to do the chapter, and, and we did decide to 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 go through it one section at a time with anybody who wanted to address any of the questions in that section doing so. And so we, we did the first one, again, self-centeredness versus aware of others. And then somebody again spoke up and said, uh, you know, this is going to take a long time if we do this. And somebody else said, looking back in their book to the beginning where they had actually dated when they, when, when this process started in this, in this meeting and said, you know, we've been at it since 2007. So we're not exactly in a hurry. And everybody laughed. And besides, what are we going to do when we get to the end? We'll start over, right? So are we in a rush to do that? So we, we agreed to, to keep on going, uh, addressing each, each section in some detail with everybody having a chance to, uh, to share their own experience, strength, and hope on that particular topic. And I'm sure it will take us probably through the next year to get through that, that chapter. And that's okay. We decided that's okay. But it, it was a great example for me of, of the Al-Anon principles in practice right there in the meeting. Democratic process, everybody was heard, and we made a decision as a group. And, and I think we all feel that it's, it's a good decision. Can't say that for sure, but that's what it felt like coming out. So that's all I have about about my week in review. What are we going to talk about next? I know if you listened to last week's episode, 
you will have heard that I was like, I don't know what I'm going to talk about in 2016. So looking for ideas and we do have some ideas. And one idea that uh, I think I mentioned a couple episodes ago, a friend of mine said, Hey, let's talk about families because you know, there's a lot of crazy that goes on in families and it would be, it would be fun to talk about. And, and I want to broaden that out a little bit, not just crazy families, but normal families, wonderful families, whatever. And here's some questions for you to think about if you want to contribute to this episode on families. What did you learn in your family growing up? What did you learn was normal? What did you learn about the way in which you relate to other people? What did you learn about how open or not you are about what's happening inside your family with people outside your family? How have you carried that into your present? And do you do you bring assets from your family of origin? Do you bring... Uh, character defects from your family of origin. What are they? How have you learned a new way to be in family, whether it's your family of origin or your recovery family or your new nuclear family, if you have formed one? How have you learned new ways to be in family in recovery? And how is recovery helping you rid yourself of those things that you carried from your from your past, from your childhood growing up, that are no longer working for you? Lots of possible questions there. Love to hear from you. Love, I would love your contributions to an episode about families. And you can do that. You can do that in a number of ways. You can call and leave a voicemail at area code 734-707-8795. That's 734-707-8795. We have a voicemail button on the website that you can use to leave a voice message directly from your computer. If you don't want to use your voice, you can send email to feedback at com. And if you don't want to remember all those different things, all those phone numbers and everything, if you go to com slash contact, they're all right there. All of the information about joining our conversation in many different ways is right there on the website at com slash contact. We would love to hear from you. We'd love to have your voice in this conversation. So leave a voicemail or send us an email. Thanks. All of the information about The Recovery Show is on our website, which is therecoveryshow.com. We have notes for each episode. We have uh, music videos for the music that we talk about in the episodes. Links to other things that we may have talked about, uh, books or other resources, online resources, will also be in the show notes. We have links to other recovery podcasts, other recovery websites, including, for example, the, the Al-Anon website. And it's all there on the, on the website at therecoveryshow.com. So check it out there. I'll take a short break before looking at uh, email for the week. And the second musical selection that I, I picked for this year in review is How Much a Dollar Cost by Kendrick Lamar. This is from Kendrick Lamar's new album to pimp a butterfly and I'm I'm still finding my way into that album it's it's an amazingly complex dense album that really explores the uh, the black experience in America from from slavery up to the present lots of stuff lots of stuff there um, the language is explicit when I look at that album in in Spotify or on iTunes, every single song is labeled explicit. If that language offends you, you might not want to listen to the song, I guess. The, this song is one of the ones where the, the language is relatively clean. And what's the song about? Why did I pick this song? Well, because it's a song of self-examination, and that's a key tool in, in our recovery program. The story in the song is that he is approached by a beggar who asks for money, and he rejects the request in a number of different ways within, with, with various reasons. Uh, he thinks that the, the person's going to use it to buy drugs. He s- thinks he smells alcohol on the person. He says, I should distance myself. I should keep it relentless. My selfishness is what got me here. Who the F I'm kidding? So I'm going to tell you like I told the last bum. 
crumbs and pennies, I need all of mines. And I recognize this type of panhandling all the time. Pretty, pretty harsh. The song goes on, and at the end, this this bum, and that that's bum in quotes, uh, reveals himself, says, He looked at me and said, Know the truth, it'll set you free. You're looking at the Messiah, the Son of Jehovah, the higher power, the choir that spoke the word, the Holy Spirit, the nerve of Nazareth, and I'll tell you just how much a dollar cost. The price of having a spot in heaven. Embrace your loss, I am God. Look at the mailbag. Got an uh, email. Dear Spencer and Company, thanks very much for continuing to produce the Meeting in My Pocket Recovery Show. It is an invaluable part of my recovery and an important resource for the podcast savvy members of my home group. I wonder if you would be able to do an episode on dysfunctional meetings. By way of illustration, my home group has struggled for a number of years with low or inconsistent attendance a problem which I have fully contributed to at times, and pretty muddled governance. From time to time, one of us will go into hero mode and clean up the mess to a sparkling finish. But, as with many ACOAs, consistency is a recurrent issue, and we frequently find ourselves right back where we began. We have also recently had several members leave the group because of aggressive, difficult, and or triggering behavior by some newish members of the group. We, of course, take people as they come, but often wonder whether and where to draw the line when other members start feeling unsafe and the meeting's existence is jeopardized as a result. As I type away here, it seems this is mainly a governance and boundaries issue. However, it would be great to hear the recovery show's community's thoughts on this matter. Best wishes to you and yours for 2016, and thanks again for what you do. Kind regards, Jessica. And thanks for the question, Jessica. Right now, I'm going to throw this out to the community. If you have been uh, maybe in a meeting that has had similar problems and has uh, dealt with them in you know, a program-appropriate way, let us say, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear your experience, strength, and hope on this on this question. It's uh, it's not one that I think I have a lot of experience with. Love to hear from you got an email about the uh, Holiday Survival Kit episode. Hi, all. Many thanks for this topic. It's very timely. My regular Al-Anon home group meets on Fridays, so we decided to not have our regular meeting Christmas Day. If the experience of many of us over Thanksgiving is a guide, there should be lots to discuss this week since we are meeting on New Year's. I was able to attend a few of my other meetings and made my sponsor's 22-year birthday meeting yesterday, which was great. He introduced the topic of emotional sobriety. I first ran into Bill W.'s essay on it this summer. It was very helpful for my fourth and fifth steps where I started to discover the unhealthy dependencies and unhealthy demands which have been a theme for me running back to childhood. It was also very relevant to me over Christmas. For probably the last decade before recovery, I found Christmas more and more to be an expensive aggravation. Not that I would refuse to participate, but I surely poisoned quite a few moments with resentment. But this year was different. Recovery got me to a place where I could choose between going down the resentment path or I could do things to add to others' enjoyment of the season. I don't know how much I achieved of the latter, but not indulging in my old habits sure felt better, and the atmosphere at home was a lot more pleasant, even though we had a substantial tour of events over the 24th and 25th. I like that, uh, that phrase, tour of events. Back to the letter. So what was the unhealthy dependence and its consequent demand? Off the top of my head, I think the dependency has been on my own emotions, and the unmet demand was, I'm annoyed, get this season over with. My higher power helped me stay in a place where I could choose constructive things instead and let the holiday unfold as it would. Without reservation, this was the best Christmas I've had in a very long time. On a different note, if there's an opening for topics, I'd like to propose the Al-Anon 12 gifts for study. My home group frequently studies the steps and traditions, with occasional seemingly accidental fourways into the concepts, but I don't recall the gifts ever being taken up. I'm proposing it for my group, and I'd love to hear your take on them as well. Many thanks, Greg. And I'm going to have to try to remember where those where those gifts are listed. I know that we have had them mentioned in the podcast before, and right off the top of my head, I 
don't remember where they are. They may be in from survival to recovery or um, if, if you know, drop me online uh, because I don't remember where they are right now, but we'll find them. Good idea. A final email came in just uh, before I started recording tonight. It's about the, the concept episode. Hi, Spencer and Akila. The introduction of the concepts are so helpful. I've been in Al-Anon for a little over a year, and the traditions and concepts are pretty foreign to me. Your episodes prompt, do you try to do all the things by yourself, or do you work in cooperation with others? Makes me think about how far I have to go in my recovery. I have ceased a lot of unhealthy habits of codependence and low self-esteem, but boy, oh boy, do I still have a fundamental complex about doing everything on my own. As usual, I found so much to connect with and to comfort me in this episode, and Spencer and Akila... Y'all have so much good wisdom and experience to share that helps me feel hopeful instead of crappy about my faults. I also learn a lot about the willingness to be vulnerable from you two and your other co-hosts. This episode made me think about my stumbling blocks to connectedness and cooperation. As a recovering perfectionist and teacher by profession, I struggle with black and white thinking, which keeps me from being vulnerable and showing up authentically, even in what and how I share at my program meetings. I recently realized that I am laboring under the idea that I am defined by what I share at my meetings, and that what I share needs to tell some coherent story of either triumph, success, or my faults slash despair, struggle. Wowzers! Needing to do it all, and look good doing it, more impulses that don't help me get where I want to go in life. I meet with my sponsor regularly, and have a few friends from the program, but the fellowship piece of the program is one that I'm just starting to open myself up to more, and that really works my trust muscle a muscle that is flabby from underuse. Cooperation is certainly one way to work the muscle, and your episode helped me understand that a little better. I rarely express myself from a place of pure authenticity without concern about others' reactions, and so my bullshit detector in myself is pretty flabby too. I catch myself looking to others to help me take my inventory and identify my strengths, and I'm learning that there is a middle ground between depending on others for my sense of self and rejecting all feedback. I realize that by bringing my need for validation into the rooms, I'm once again manufacturing more suffering for myself. But thank goodness for this program, which helps me see I'm doing it, and there's no scolding or judgment that I still struggle to accept myself exactly as I am. I'm so grateful that the structure of my Al-Anon program doesn't allow crosstalk or criticism to enable this wrong-headed thinking on my part. Who knows, I might even share about this realization about my hang-ups about sharing at my next meeting. Anyway, I thank you for your service, and I'm grateful that I have this podcast in my arsenal of recovery resources. I loved the idea about multiple program participants discussing multi-slash-dual-program participation. I'm considering starting another 12-step program, but I'm very intimidated by the idea of doing two sets of steps and, of course, bringing my issues of belonging and validation-seeking into a whole new set of rooms is also daunting. I have a feeling that might be the very thing to help with these issues. I attend a family group that is a combination of Al-Anon, AA, and ACOA members in addition to Al-Anon meetings, and I find that the combination of programs really deepens my experience. Thank you for your hard work and persistence in continuing this podcast resource. This podcast is so important in supporting my recovery. Allison. And thank you, Allison, for writing, and, and thank you for being you know, so open and honest about where you are in your program. I'm sure that somebody else listening right now has many of those same feelings and I can identify with a lot of those feelings myself. And I think that, uh, I am, I'm looking forward to doing an episode on multi-program participants. I just have to, to, uh, as it were, round up a few to do that. If you're interested, anybody out there, if you're listening and you're interested in talking about your experience being in more than one program, one of which is Al-Anon, uh, give me, uh, drop me a line, and we we can talk about it. Thanks. Doesn't cost you anything to listen to the recovery show, but we do have expenses which run about sixty dollars a month. You can help to support us and keep us on the web and in your ear, in a couple of ways. We have a donation button on the website where you can support us directly. Thank you for those who have done so in the past, uh, particularly over the last year, and before that. We have put together a list of recovery-related books. Click on the books link at the top of the page or on the, the menu if you're on a mobile device. 
If you order one of these books from Amazon through our website, we will receive a small commission. In fact, anything you order from Amazon after clicking on one of the links will help us. It costs you nothing extra and helps to keep us on the air. Thank you for your support in whatever form you give it, including just listening to us or sharing the podcast with a friend. We are here for you. And the last song that I selected for this year in review episode is Why Does It Shake by Proto-Martyr. Again, you can listen to all of these songs at therecoveryshow.com slash 136. And this song really speaks to me on a couple of different levels. I understand that it was inspired by a question that was asked by the uh, songwriter's mother, who apparently is is suffering from Alzheimer's. And she looked at her hand and said, why does it shake? And that particular experience is, I haven't had exactly that experience, but you know, watching my mother as her health declines and and as her both her mental and physical health declines, um, that image grabbed me. It also speaks to me personally because as I get older, my body doesn't always cooperate with me. It's not able to do the things that some of the things that it used to do in the past, and sometimes that surprises me. I'm like, what? Oh, I can't do that. Oh, the closing. Sort of the closing lyrics is, why does it shake the body, the body? Why does it shake the fear, the fear? Thank you for listening, and please keep coming back. Whatever your problems, there are those among us who have had them too. If we did not talk about a problem you are facing today, feel free to contact us so we can talk about it in a future episode. May understanding, love, and peace growing you one day at a time. Mm-hmm.